on to um, this, this this podcast for our little ministry here at Living Waters. Um, in this podcast, we want to take a look at a we want to take a look at the book of Daniel um, and also the book of Revelation. As these two books are one book that that ought to be brought together. Um, the book of Daniel is a prophecy because Christ says in Matthew twenty four. Um, called Daniel, calls him Daniel the prophet. John is also a prophet. It's called the prophecy of this book. But the um, John's um, the prophecy of this book, meaning the Revelation. The the book of Revelation is is an open book. Um, while it's a revelation, it's an open book to those who understand the the to those who have a, a, a understanding of the book of Daniel, because Daniel Daniel's a prophecy and John is a revelation. The um, revelation is the revelation of that which is written in Daniel. And when these two books are brought together, they help us to understand. Um, they help us to understand the things that the Lord wants us to understand here at the end of the world. So as before we begin, um, just would like to open up with a short word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray and ask that you will please um, bless the efforts at this time as we um, do this podcast. I ask for the guidance of your Holy Spirit, for the help of holy angels, that you help me to say those things, O oh Lord, that will be helpful and very beneficial to those who are listening, and that, that souls will come to understand the truth for this time. Please, may you may you guide us. May you guide us into all truth. May you help us to make right applications and connections, using the principles that will be real helpful um, to those listening. And I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, what we want to look at here is that the Bible is a is a book of of is a book of principles, and when we un, we understand things based upon principles in God's word. So, like for instance, um, the Bible lets us know that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established, and and it does so by giving it to us at least two more times. So, meaning that when um, each of the ancient, let's look at Second Peter, um, if you're following along your Bible. Um, Second Peter, Peter gives us this rule in Second Peter 1 and verse 19, where he also covers the same ground, but he says it in this manner. Um, beginning at 19, he says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So prophecy is a light that shines in a dark place. It says, Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he lets us know that knowing this first about prophecy is not of any private interpretation. So no one prophet spoke of spoke of something that the Lord showed him. Um, but but Peter says, For whole, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the author of prophecy is, is the Holy Ghost given to these men um, visions or showing them things to come. And these men wrote down what these men wrote down, what was what was revealed to them. And they, they used the language of their day in order to illustrate the thoughts in which the Lord gave them or the revelations in which the Lord showed them. And the Lord uses many different illustrations to, to portray the same thing as we have the story of Christ where. Christ spoke in parables. He used a fisher, um, fishermen's, um, carpent, carpentry, um, uh, wheat and the tares, uh, the the leaven. Christ used many different parables to teach the same to, to teach the same lessons 
um, again and again, um, using different figures and symbols. And when you bring these different figures and symbols together, they help you to understand what the Lord is pointing to. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, one prophet might write about something um, like Moses, for say, and Isaiah will come and write about the same thing, but he will use different figures to represent the same thing that Moses saw and, 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 and also, um, also unfolding more of what Moses seen. And then Daniel will come doing this, using a different figure or, or Jeremiah would come using a different figure all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So in this case, we want to look at the book of Daniel in, in, in light of these things. And there's another rule um, that the Bible teaches in this one is in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, um, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. That's verse 46. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So that so the Lord uses the things of nature or the natural things or the first things to teach us about the spiritual things, the second things, the last things. So you have natural Babylon, um, of which Daniel was in in his day, but you also have spiritual Babylon, of which John, of which was revealed to John in the book of Revelation, chapter seventeen, where she's called Mystery Babylon, um, the, the the mother of harlots in that book, or Babylon is fallen is fallen. And Babylon was derived from Genesis 11, meaning Babel or confusion. So when we, when we bring all of these different things together, where we, 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 um, when we bring all these different things together, we use these natural things to help us to understand these spiritual things. So now we want to look at the book of Daniel. Um, we want to look into the book of Daniel. And Daniel is an interesting book. Um, Daniel opens up with um, going into captivity to Babylon. Um, in, in 606 AD, um, this was when they were taking captivity. So the entire book of Daniel, um, was the, the entire book of Daniel was dealing with the Kings of which the, the Jews, uh, dealing with the Kings of which the Jews, Jews were taken captive to first it was Babylon and then it ended with the Medes and the Persians. John, however, his book, when you read the first chapter of revelation is to the seven churches. So the book of John is to the churches while the book of Daniel is to the kings or the nations of the earth. So what you have already is, is the book of Daniel and John is dealing with the issue of church and state or, or, or nations and, and our nations and religion. So this is why these two books are brought together because at the end of the world, the controversies over, um, over nations and religions, over the kingdoms and the church on um, the government and the, and the system of worship that the Lord has, that the Lord has put in his world. So these two books, when they're brought to give, together, they give us much instructions or counsels on what is going to transpire at the end of the world. Now, we just want to look at Daniel 2, um, for instance. We're just going to take a look at Daniel 2, and we're just going to cover a few little things um, while, we, while we walk through this book, which is a book giving us, this book is designed to really lead people um, to, to believe the word of God as the Lord, as the Lord illustrated the nations that will rule the world um, that will rule the world one following the other. And with, with a prophecy like this, um, many should come to, ex to accept the, the, the Bible as the inspired word of God, as, as, the, whole, as the Holy Spirit guided the mind, the, um, um, guided the, 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 as the Holy Spirit guided the fears, um, the, the fears of the prophets, more so, I should say, as 
um, God opened up to Daniel, and we're going to see that that the Holy Spirit helped Daniel to t taught Daniel these things so that he can see the the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. But before we begin, let us read um, Genesis chapter twenty, um, verse one. The, the book of Daniel two opens up with Nebuchadnezzar receiving a dream. But we want to. There's another rule in the Bible called the rule of first mention, and we want what we want to do is we want to. This, this rule is implying that wherever this thing is first mentioned, all the things associated or connected with it will be associated and connected with it throughout the Bible. So it um, it, it, it won't lose its force. Like, for instance, um, we, let's look at this one with dream and we hopefully we'll, we'll see the point. It says, this is Genesis chapter 20, verse 1, 4 to 7. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country, and dwell and dwell between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourn in Gerar. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also? Um, I should give a backdrop. I started with Genesis twenty verse one, where this is where Abraham went down to to um towards the south, um, because there was a famine, and he came into the land of um of Abimelech, and he this is where he he lied and said Sarah is his sister and not his wife. And Abimelech took Sarah. So we didn't introduce verses two and three. Now we're going to read four, where, where God now shows up to Abimelech because he took another man's wife. And, and this is how the Lord dealt with Abimelech in this situation. So that's the context of the story. But it says, but Abimelech had not come near her. And he says, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, have I done this? So right here in this story, we see how the Lord deals with the, the, the sin of adultery. He doesn't approve of it. When a nation commits adultery, the Lord deals with that nation. But Abimelech was doing something that he thought was right because of the information he received from Abraham. So the Lord says, and God said unto him in a dream. So remember this, the rule of first mention. And God said unto him in a dream, verse 6. Yea, I know that thou did this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. And so right here we have much lessons in here. Don't touch the Lord's prophet. And Jesus was the prophet that the Jews touched. And that's why their temple was destroyed. And Jesus is the prophet that will that prays for us so that we can have life. So a prophet prays for you so you can have life. Many lessons in here. Um, but another lesson is, um, and verse 6, And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst, did this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. So the Lord sends dream to withhold people from sinning against them. So this is why the Lord will now give a dream. So when you take this information and you go back to the book of Daniel, um, the Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream to serve what purpose? So that nations would not sin against him. So this dream was given to Nebuchadnezzar, not for Nebuchadnezzar alone, but for every nation and kingdom that's to come there hereafter. Because after Babylon was the Medes and the Persians, and, and we're going to see later, then it was Greece, and then it was Rome. So this dream was given for um, this dream was given for all nations that they might not sin against God, 
And the Bible says um, that sin is a transgression of the law, um, 1 John 3, 4. So the Lord gave this dream so that men may not transgress his law. This is So this is the, the purpose of this dream that was given to Nebuchadnezzar. So now let's go to Daniel 2 with these thoughts in mind. And um, we, we're just going to read the first verse, and then we're going to go down to verse 19, because um, the, the verses in between there, Nebuchadnezzar called his wise men to interpret the dream, but Nebuchadnezzar, um, he didn't, the, 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 he, he didn't remember the dream. So the, the Lord did that so to bring his people to the forefront. So, and, and, and he also tested these men who claimed to have the ability to interpret, to interpret visions and dreams, whether they have received it or not. They, this was, so the Lord was testing their power to, to do the work of interpreting this for, to Nebuchadnezzar, but they were unable. And then Nebuchadnezzar made a decree to kill all the wise men in Babylon because this dream couldn't be interpreted. This brought Daniel into prominent view. And because Daniel was brought into view, Daniel now turned to the one who, who gives interpretation. So let's read these accounts. And in the second year of the, the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. So God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream that troubled his spirit. Now, much can be said about this, but just but to maintain um, uh, what we're going through, we're just going to deal with this on the on the most basic level. So it says, verse nineteen. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and says, "Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for for wisdom and might are His. And He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings." So the Bible likened the change of times and seasons to a removing of a king and the setting up of a king. This is an interesting thing, as in nature, the season, the times and seasons change. We have spring, summer, fall, and winter. And the Lord likens the changing of a new nation or or, or a new nation ruling to the seasons. Every time a, na a new nation comes in, it's like a new season. You might get a hot king, a cold king, a mild fall-like king, or a spring king. It's all dependent upon the, the doctrine of that king. What does that king believe? That's because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever that na the belief of that nation is, that's the kind of power, that's the kind of influence that's going to rule the world at that time. So the Lord is here speaking, giving Nebuchadnezzar a dream in a language of which Nebuchadnezzar can understand. So Daniel says, he giveth wisdom unto the wise and he and, and knowledge to them that know understanding. So God gives wisdom um, unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Just go back to Daniel 1. We want to see that Daniel was fulfilling this very thing. Because when you go to Daniel 1, it opens up with a test. Daniel was tested on appetite, him and his friends. And because they passed this test of appetite, um, because they passed this test of appetite, the Lord did this for Daniel in verse 20, 1 verse 20. Um, actually, not 1 verse 20, um, 1 verse 17. Well, let's go up to verse 14, 1 14. Um, so he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Nebuchadnezzar brought the, the, um, Daniel and his friends in to serve him, and he was feeding them with his diet. But Daniel chose to eat the diet that God has assigned them, which is a, veg a vegetarian diet. And upon this, Melzar, Nebuchadnezzar's servant, 
didn't want to endanger his life. He wanted Daniel to eat what Nebuchadnezzar provided him. But um, Daniel, however, refused and says, give me 10 days and let's see whose diet is the better diet. And he was given 10 days. So when you come to verse 15, it says, and at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So the, in verse one, Daniel was given knowledge and skill and wisdom and understanding in visions and dream. So the Lord had already prepared Daniel for the work he was going to assign him in the next chapter. So because Daniel passed this first test, because he was obedient to God in this first test, the Lord rewarded him for the second test to open up a vision and a dream to Nebuchadnezzar. So let's go back. So this is what Daniel is now saying. Daniel says, um, he revealed the, um, verse 21, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto, unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So because Daniel had knowledge and understanding and wisdom, the Lord gave him this revelation. And this is put, put in the Bible for you and I. Whenever we apply ourselves to understand God's word, he will instruct us by his spirit. Notice what Daniel says in verse 22. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness. What does the Lord do? He reveals the deep and secret things. So let's look at what, what um, Paul says about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's what Paul says about this. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. It says, but, at, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So the Lord freely gave this to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream, and then he gave, and then he provided Daniel as a way of interpreting that which was given to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. So the Holy Spirit revealed that to Daniel. And when you go to, to Nehemiah chapter two, Nehemiah, sorry, Nehemiah nine, um, verse twenty, and it says Nehemiah Nehemiah nine twenty. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, um, to instruct them. So Daniel, Daniel was given the spirit to be instructed of the things that God had prepared for this world. It was the Lord that prepared that revelation and he gave the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and then he provided Nebuchadnezzar an interpreter. And you can also see this rule in first Corinthians chapter 14, um, um, where, where Paul talks about, prophecy and interpretation um i if i can remember exactly where it is well paul was talking about speaking in tongues and then you needed an interpreter 
here God was speaking to, to Nebuchadnezzar, giving him a vision and a dream in a heavenly language, but he needs someone that was connected to God to interpret this, this, this dream. This is why the wise men in his realm couldn't do it. So now let's go back to Daniel 2. So verse 22, it says, he revealed the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Um, so let's jump down to verse 25. Then, oh, I thank thee. Let's finish it. I thank thee and praise thee, O, o, o thou God of my fathers, who have given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Then Ariat brought in Daniel before the king in haste and says thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and says, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So the Lord made known to the nation of Babylon, the highest, the highest authority in Babylon, what shall be in the latter days. Now it says, but there is a God in heaven. So the purpose of Daniel 2 is to let nations, let the nations of the world know that there is a God in heaven. So that's the whole purpose of Daniel 2, to lead men to fear God and to give glory to him. So the Lord was trying to impress upon Nebuchadnezzar and to, to lead the nation of Babylon to fear God and give him glory. So let's look at verse 29. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. Look at Revelation chapter 1. So Daniel says, God showed to Nebuchadnezzar what shall come to pass. So here's what Daniel 1 says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So the book of Revelation opens up by telling us that things that are shortly come to, to come to pass are the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel 2 and Daniel were getting a revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ is revealed by prophecy. It's prophecy that reveals Christ to us so that we can receive him by faith. So Daniel, um, God gave Nebuchadnezzar this dream to reveal to him there's a God, God in heaven, but at the same time to reveal to us that there is a God in heaven that we should fear and turn to with, with all of our hearts. So now let's go back to that, the book of Daniel chapter 2. So Nebuchadnezzar, so Daniel says, um, God revealed the secrets, um, showing Nebuchadnezzar what shall come to pass in the latter days. And it says, thy, thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. Even this alone was a, was a um, witness to Nebuchadnezzar because he forgot the dream. And here is Daniel reminding him of that dream and in this exact detail in which the Lord gave it to him. He's getting the same, revel same revelation. This was intended to convince Nebuchadnezzar of the truthfulness of this dream. So it says, as for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And here's another thing in here. The Lord 
oftentimes responds to what we to, to what men think. He he here speaks speaks to all the thoughts. And it says, And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to know what is going to come to pass after his kingdom. So the Lord revealed himself to him by giving him a, giving him a revelation or a dream of what's going to come to pass. So Jesus is the one that brings things to pass. Because in Revelation 1, the Bible says Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He, Christ, is the one that, that, that allows events to take place on earth. So the Lord revealed to Nebuchadnezzar his plans for this earth. But not only was it revealed to Nebuchadnezzar, it was revealed to everyone that comes after that nation. So let's continue in verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known, for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. When you there's a there's a, a tool that we can use to also understand scripture, and that's also using the reference of the Hebrew and the Greek. Now we do not teach here that is necessary to understand Hebrew and Greek. But it's a great tool to give us further details or information or understanding of, 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 of the lessons the Lord or the lessons or the prophecies the Lord wants us to understand. Now, the Lord's God's word is deep. It cannot be exhausted. So these different tools and these different rules, they give us the ability to get more insights on on on, on the word of God. So we want to look up this word interpretation. And this comes from H6591. And it means um, interpretation, and it, its root word is taken from 6590, and that means um, to make, in, to interpret, to interpret, make interpretation. And it, and it connects to another root word of 6622, and that one means to open up or um, interpret a dream. So an interpretation means to open up. So Daniel is about to open up to Nebuchadnezzar the vision, the dream that was given to him. So while we have prophecy, we will always need someone to open it up to us or explain it to us or help us to understand it. Notice the Lord used the man to open up to Nebuchadnezzar, a man, the man Daniel, under the influence of the Holy Spirit or guided by God's Spirit, guided by his angels, was now going to open up to Nebuchadnezzar that which the Lord had revealed to him in a dream. So this is how the Lord chooses to witness to us at the end of the world. He uses men. He uses men inspired inspired and impressed by his spirit to go and open up the scriptures to people, helping them to understand the Lord's will for that time. And it's left up to the man that's hearing it to make a decision based upon what, he's, what he has heard. Uh, obviously, after trying the spirit, going to see whether these things be so. This is why the Lord has given us the Bible so that we can um, so that we can know or understand the things being taught to us, whether they're true, right or wrong. So open up. So interpretation means to open up. When you go to Revelation chapter 10, as, as we said earlier, that these two books are one. So let's look at Revelation chapter 10 about a book that was opened up. And verse one of Revelation 10 says, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the earth and his left foot um. And his and his left foot. One second. He set his right foot upon the earth, 
I want to bring this in. Revelation 10. He set his right foot. He set his right foot um right foot up on the, the he set his he set his right foot up on the sea and his left foot on the earth. Sorry. He set his right foot up on the sea and his left foot on the right foot up on the sea and his left foot on the earth. And hold on, I want to add this other part. And verse three. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roared. And when he had cried, seven thunders. Actually, I just wanted verse two. He had in his hand a little book open. So this mighty angel came down with a little book open. And as we read earlier, an o a open little book means to. One second. An open to open means to interpret. So this mighty angel in Revelation 10 comes down to interpret to nations that which was written in the book of Daniel. Now, we're not going to touch on that aspect right now. I just want us to show that to open means to interpret. So when you take this understanding and you go to the book of Revelation, you see this angel coming down with a book open. He's coming down to interpret to men the things that are written in that book. So whenever a book is open, that means it's interpreting. To interpret means somebody's explaining it. So when that mighty angel came down, somebody's there explaining the things that are in that book. Because that's what Daniel was doing. To interpret means to explain or open up something that was that was previously hidden. So when you go back to Daniel 2, Daniel now begins to give a rundown of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And we're going to begin this in verse 30, in verse 31. In verse 31, it says, Thou, O king, saw us and behold a great image this great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the forms thereof was terrible and the form thereof was terrible this image's head was of fine gold his breast and his arms of silver his belly and his thighs of brass his legs of iron his feet part of iron and part of clay thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. So Daniel is now going to open up to the king what this vision and dream is. But here's what I want us to see from this. The dream that God showed to Nebuchadnezzar was of a natural image, a, nat a natural man. And, and, then, and then a stone cut out of the mountain without hands. Now, there's much in here. But the point we want to bring home that the Lord speaks to man in a language in which they understand. The Lord revealed to Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't speak to him in a strange language. Uh, 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 he didn't reveal to him something strange. He didn't reveal to him something his eyes couldn't, his eyes and his ears couldn't comprehend. He revealed to Nebuchadnezzar something that something that that his eyes and his ears see all the time that his hands can handle. The Lord used a man to to be a symbol to represent kingdoms or nation. So a lesson the Lord is trying to teach us is that we are individual nations. 
and how we govern our nations, meaning how we govern ourselves, is of great importance. So the Lord is here revealing to Nebuchadnezzar his, his kingdom, and not only his kingdom, but every kingdom that will come thereafter. And Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom at that time was ruling the world supremely. It was ruling the world at that time. And the Lord is now going to reveal to him by the figure of an image, something that, that Nebuchadnezzar understands because he was an image worshiper. He was an idol worshiper. So the Lord used the thing of which he's most familiar with to give him instruction about heaven's plan and about heaven's goal and about heaven's way and about heaven's order. But because the dream was from heaven, it was from God, Nebuchadnezzar can't interpret it through his, through his religion. So he needs the religion of Daniel in order to understand the religion of God. Only those that, that, that follow the religion of God will be able to interpret the religion of God correctly so that men can receive the, the religion that comes from God. So all of this is here in, 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 this, in this dream. So this is designed to lead Nebuchadnezzar to the God of Daniel. Um, so now let's go down to Daniel 2. Let's look at the interpretation. Let's look at what Daniel opened up to Nebuchadnezzar. This is a dream, and we will tell the interpretation, therefore, before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Oh, thou art this head of gold. So the first thing that we have here is that it's God who gave Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom. So every nation that comes after that is God who placed those nations in power. It is God who allowed those nations. That's why Daniel says he changeth the times and the season. He removeth kings and he setteth up kings. This is here to teach us that God is the one that's in control of the affairs of this earth. He puts nations in power. He removes them and puts another one in power. For what reason? For what purpose? So that they might do the so that they might do the will of God. They might bring forth righteousness. This is why the Lord placed these nations um, in, in in power so that they might work. Uh, uh, they might be a nation of righteousness. Let's look at Jeremiah to show that Jeremiah prophesied of this. Um, prophesied of this before before Nebuchadnezzar received this dream, and it says. This whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. So the Lord gave the nations under the, the under the control of Babylon for seventy years. And um, let's look at now at this. I want to read this this nice little quote from um, someone who wrote this. From uh, it's called Adventist Review and Cyber Herald. And it says, Babylon was the first kingdom of universal empire. It was founded by Nimrod, the great-grandson of Noah. It lasted near 1,700 years, though, though under different names, sometimes called Babylon, sometimes Assyria, and sometimes Chaldea. It extended from Nimrod to Belshazzar, who was its last king. Um, so now, back to Daniel. Another king comes up. So let's look at Jeremiah once again, Jeremiah 25. And it shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it a perpetual desolation. So the Lord says at the end of seventy years, he was going to punish the king of Babylon. How was he going to do this? By raising up another kingdom. The next kingdom, that's to take, that's to bear sway over the earth. So let's go back to Daniel. And after thee shall arise another kingdom, 
inferior to thee, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And now, let's look at this. What kingdom succeeded Babylon? Thy, um, let's look at chapter, cha let's see chapter 5, 28. Thy kingdom, Babylon, is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. This is Daniel 5, 28. Then the Medo-Persian kingdom was the second universal kingdom, and as is represented by the breasts and arms of silver. So the next kingdom was the Medes and the Persians. And this is what it says in Daniel 5, 28. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. In that night was Belshazzar, the king, slain, the king of Chaldean slain. That's what Jeremiah says. After 70 years, Jeremiah says, I will punish the king of Babylon. Literally, after 70 years, the king of Babylon was punished. Then it says, um, then it says, and Darius the Median took the kingdom. So now let's go to Ezra. Thus said Cyrus, king of Persia, Ezra 1, 2, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Cyrus confessed this in 536, that the Lord God of heaven had given him the kingdoms of the world. So the next universal kingdom after Babylon was the Medes and the Persians. And this was prophesied long before the Medes and the Persians took the kingdom of Babylon. So let's go back to verse 29. It says, um, it, it, there's two parts in verse 29, verse 39 of Daniel 2. And it says, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. Verse 39 has a second part. Um, it says, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. So verse 39 has, the, has a signature of first and last. In that one verse, you have this first part and a last part. So sometime in the Bible, um, verses can have two historical points to them, meaning you can have a first historical reference and a second historical reference, because verse 39 says, um, the, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. But a lot of information is not given on that kingdom. And then it says a third kingdom shall, shall arise, bear rule over all the earth. So it goes from the second kingdom right to the third kingdom. And then it's going to go into the fourth kingdom. So we want to see that as four universal empires. So let's look at Daniel 11. Four, um, let's go back to um, let's go back to the brass, verse 39, Daniel 2, 39. And. After thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. What kingdom was this? See chapter 8, 5 to 7, and verse 21. Here we learn that Grisha conquered the Medo-Persian kingdom and became a kingdom of universal empire. This took place under Alexander. Here then, we have the third kingdom, which is represented by the brass of the image. Here's what I want to want to include. Many people say, how is Alexander the first king when his father, uh, the king of Macedon, was a king and there was other kings before him? Alexander was the first king because he was the great horn, according to Daniel 8. He was the first king of, to unite Greece as one global empire or one universal kingdom. He brought Greece together, and that's why he was the first king to rule the world at that time, controlling the power of Greece. And here's what Daniel 8 says. And as I was considering, behold, a goat came from the west on the face, on the face of the whole earth. This is Daniel 8, 5. And jump down to, and let's continue reading. And touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. 
what I want us to point out here is that Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, 10, and 11, and 12, these chapters only repeat and enlarge on the visions that was given in Daniel. So a lesson the Lord wants to teach us here is that whenever God gives a prophecy, he doesn't change the prophecy afterwards. Men, other prophets come and they, and they repeat the prophecies that were given, but they enlarge them or unfold them or open them up even more to us. So they're giving us more details about what was given um, the, the first time. So Daniel 2 only takes on, Daniel 7 only takes up the same thought in Daniel 2, but placing it under different figures and symbols. Daniel 8 takes up the same thought as Daniel 2, but takes up different figures and symbols, giving us a different point of view of the same thing. Daniel 11, it takes up the same thought, but this time, instead of figures and symbol, it speaks to us in plain language. So Gabriel comes to Daniel and, and interprets to him that which is written in the scriptures. In other words, Gabriel opened up to Daniel um, that which was, which was clothed by symbols. So to open up a prophecy is to explain what the symbols mean. The Lord spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in a symbolic language, and God gave Daniel the interpretation to that symbolic representation. That's how prophecy works. It's first in symbolic language, and then the Lord teaches somebody by his spirit to come and interpret or open up what those symbols, symbols mean, which are proved by the Bible. So let us go look back at Daniel 8. It says, And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with collar against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. And a rough goat is the king of Grisha, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. So here Gabriel, uh, here the angel, ex Gabriel explained to Daniel in 8, that the first king, the, 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 the power that took down the Medes and the Persians, the Medes and the Persians was two horns. It was two powers combined as one. The Medes, Darius the Medes, and Cyrus the Persian. They were one when they took down Babylon in 538. And then in 536, Cyrus took the kingdom supremely by himself because Darius had, had died. So Cyrus took control of the world. And this is what Ezra 1 says. Remember, these prophecies was given to lead men to fear God and to give glory to him. The Lord gave to Nebuchadnezzar the, the, the way marks of nations leading down to the end of the world. So we, we, we're coming down to a close soon because we don't want to make this too long. So um, I, I said earlier, why is Alexander the Great the first king? Because this is a universal rule. He's the first king of Greece to hold this universal dominion. Because Daniel 2.39 says um, that which shall bear rule over all the earth. So the third kingdom bears rule over all the earth. All one has to do is look back in history of what universal kingdom followed Babylon and the world will see is the Medes and the Persians. And then ask them, who defeated the Medes and the Persians? The world will tell you Alexander defeated Darius, um, de defeated Darius in 332 BC. The world will tell you this. And then the Bible says the great horn of Greece is going to break. The world will tell you Alexander died. And then four notable powers came up um, his kingdom was divided into four groups. This is what history will tell us. And But all of this was recorded in the Bible long before these histories actually came visible to men or became or actually become reality to men. So now let's look at the fourth kingdom in Daniel 2. It says the Bible makes it a point 
to number these universal dominions in, in order to prevent any false interpretations. So Babylon, one, Medes and the Persians, two, Greece, three, and the next kingdom, the Iron Kingdom, we're going to see it's Rome, it's four. And Daniel 2.40 says, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things. And as iron that break all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. What kingdom is this? It is generally admitted to be the Roman kingdom. It is a universal kingdom. That is to break in pieces all that went before it. Rome alone answers this description. That did have universal empire. So remember, Daniel 2 is about four universal empires. So all we have to do is look, look in history. What empires rule the world universally, the known world, in their respective days? And if you just go back to Babylon, then you come down to the Medes and the Persians, and the Medes and the Persians took the, the, the empire from Babylon, Greece took it from the Medes and the Persians, and Rome took it from Greece. And the Bible explains itself very plainly if we just, if we just take it for what it is. So notice, that means Rome would have to be a universal empire. So if we can find in the Bible where Rome is a universal empire, then it fits, it fits this interpretation by Daniel in Daniel chapter 2. So let's look at this. Um, Rome had to have universal rule. So let's look at um, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Who was Caesar Augustus? A Roman emperor. Here then we have the fourth kingdom represented by the legs of iron. So here you have Rome representing the legs of iron that bears rule over all, um, all the earth. And we verse. this is Daniel 2 verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. So it, it, it breaks, it, it subdues all things with the iron rule. And here you have in Luke 2, Caesar Augustus with his iron rule taxing the whole world. In order to tax the whole world, the whole world would have to be under your jurisdiction in order to be taxed. So the Bible says Caesar Augustus taxed the whole world. So here we have our fourth kingdom in the book of Daniel chapter 2. Why was this dream given? We read it in Genesis chapter 20. It was given, God gave Abimelech a dream to withhold him from sinning against him. So God gave the, the division of Daniel 2 to withhold nations and individual men and women from sinning against him. This was designed to make men to make men know that there's a God that rules in heaven. Daniel opened up by saying, he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings and he setteth up kings. And God is the one that set up these four universal empires to give men a great witness or revelation of the working of Jesus Christ. So I pray that this study was a blessing and that it, it, it would serve as a means to help us to understand the, the, the visions of, of Daniel and John. Now, this is just like a little introduction. We hope that in the near future that we, we will be able to, to add more thoughts and, 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 more, and, and more meat and depths to these things. This was, this was only to serve 
to 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 inspire faith in the word of God and to encourage us to turn to the Bible to study these things. And I hope that we will go test these things to see whether these things be so. There's a nice book that, that we can get. It's called Daniel and Revelations by Uriah Smith. Daniel and Revelations by Uriah Smith. And I want to encourage um, encourage those to look for it. You can look for it on Amazon or uh, uh, um, our bookstores, um, wherever you can find it on the internet. It's called Daniel and Revelations by Uriah Smith. It's a really wonderful book that gives us the, these, these historical records and facts and more way more information and detail upon what we've just gone over. But I pray that this was a blessing and I, I hope that it will serve to inspire faith in, in the more sure word of prophecy. Shall we close with the word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you, O Lord, for this opportunity to share these things. And I, I pray and ask that you will bless it, that will go forth to be a blessing to those um, who, who, will, who will listen, that as they hear, O Lord, may they learn something new and be impressed with the truth. And, and may we be withheld from sinning against you, O Lord, as we look to these visions, this, this dream in which you've given to the world, um, that they might be withheld from sinning. So we thank you. Please forgive us of our sins. May you create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.